0: Sunday. Um, This is our last week of a series called The Altar. If you have missed either one of the weeks, the previous two weeks, I'd really, really encourage you Go on our website, foundationschurch.tv, and uh, man, download it, download the podcast, download the video. My ring's off because I wash my hands, just so you guys know, I do wash my hands. Um, But um, just download the podcast, the video, because it has been a fantastic series. If you've missed out, you won't understand what these rocks are, so go back and watch, watch, watch the series, and I hope it ministers to you. Today, we're going to jump right into our message um, because we've got a lot to go through and cover. And so, um, as we get ready to, uh, a couple of weeks ago, there was a happening, an occurrence at my house um, that happened that I, I posted on Facebook as well. And I walked out one morning. Um, and I walk out to my backyard and in our pool I see like waves happening and I thought okay it's a, it's a frog we get a lot of frogs in our pool and I was sort of looking I was getting ready to go get one of the girls because um, they love getting frogs out I'm not scared of frogs I don't mind frogs um, um, and as I looked it did not move like a frog um, it was slinking and crawling and I was like are you kidding me right now um, I get closer. And I'm like, there's a snake. That's a snake. That's a snake. You know, I'm like freaking out because I hate, and I've said this several times, I hate them. It's not for show. Man, I hate snakes. I, they give me the ibby jibbies. Um, I, I feel like I can say that and still be a man and have my man card because Indiana Jones was scared of snakes too. And he found the Ark of the Covenant. What you got, son? Come at me. Um, but wait, there was a snake, and I'm like, ooh! so I went in, I'm like, Casey, there's a snake in our pool, and she's like, okay, well, let's do something about it, you big baby, Um, and so we go out, and in all transparency, all transparency, um, my wife is the one that fished the snake out of the pool. I'm gonna be real, I'm gonna be real, I'm okay, I got a good woman, I got a good woman. (laughs) Proverbs 31, and she shall fish snakes out of the pool. Um, But but the reason was because I had a hoe in my hand ready to kill this thing. And um, when it comes out, it slithers through this hole that's probably this big in our net. I've got the hoe, and bam, I cut the head off of the snake. There's another picture um, there. I mean, just this huge anaconda that's probably 12 foot in length. About yay big, round. Um, uh, no, the thing was this big, um, really. Um, uh, this is not a fishing story. Um, the snake was about this big. And Casey's like, "What? What? What?" I'm like, what are you talking about? She goes, well, why don't we just let it go? What? What? Let it go. Well, we could research what kind of snake this is. Maybe it's a good snake. I'm like, you're full of poo. I'm like, there's... There's no way we're going to Google what kind of snake this is and then determine if we are going to kill it or not. The only good snake, I say it, it's in the book of Proverbs, is a dead snake. Um, It's not really in the book of Proverbs, but um, I just, I hate snakes. And I looked at Casey and I said, well, what if it was a a tarantula, a spider? Those are good spiders. They kill other spiders. She's like, kill it, right? Um, And it doesn't surprise me that snake and spider begins with S. Um, Something else does, Satan. Um, so, coincidence, I think not. Um, but, um, so we killed the snake, and, and here's what she said. She said, well, it, it's, it, well it's not going to hurt that much. What do you mean it's not going to hurt that much? It's not that dangerous. What do you mean it's a snake? And, and here's, here's what happened. Here was the problem I had. As Casey took something, and it turned out not to be venomous, um, which hurts my feelings to admit, but... Um, it, we, we, she took something that had the potential to be dangerous and minimize it. And, and here's why I'm telling you this story this morning is that we as a culture are doing the same thing when it comes to our spiritual lives, we're taking a lot of things that Everybody around us is saying, "Oh, oh, well, that's that's not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a thing." And there are we're coming to this place where what is dangerous we're minimizing when we should really be paying attention to it. Um, this morning, as we get started, I grew up in church. Um, a lot of you grew up in church, and um, when you grew up in church, there was a lot of rules for churchgoers, and uh, a lot of times. The church just missed it. I don't think they had a bad heart. I don't think they had bad intentions. But church, a lot of times, and I love my upbringing, I value my upbringing, I had a great church, I had a great pastor. But sometimes the church in general, the big C church, not just foundations church, man, we just got it wrong. And, and we said certain things were wrong and certain things were sins that weren't sins and weren't wrong. One of those specific could be dancing. I don't know if you ever watch Footloose. It's real, man. Um, you know, I, I can break, I, I can't break dance. I can moonwalk like Michael Jackson. Um, and I can't do it in these shoes, but one day I will. And I will dance, dance, dance to Billy Jean is not my lover um, right here on this stage. But Um, When I did it, there was confliction in me because you're like, you can't be breakdancing, you can't can't be moonwalking, you're going to hell. Um, You couldn't go to dances when I was growing up because that's what, you just couldn't do that. And it was wrong, and here's the deal, there's nothing in the Bible that says going to prom is a sin, right? There's parts where we, as the church, became religious zealots and more about a club and maintaining a certain type of person than we did really being focused on being the hands and feet of Jesus and having the heart of Jesus. And so as a pastor, even though Foundation Church, I think we've done really good not getting religious and not trying to make things a sin that really aren't a sin, but as a pastor, as somebody that's grown up in this, if you've been hurt by that, if you have been, man, isolated and just kind of feel like you've been left out let me as a pastor apologize and say man we don't always get it wrong we don't I mean we don't always get it right (laughs) see and we don't always get it wrong but we don't always get it right." some of you are like what (laughs) we don't always get it right with that being said here's what's happening now in our culture we went from one extreme of calling everything a sin and calling everything wrong to where now we don't want to call anything wrong and we don't want to call anything a sin. And, and here's what is happening. We don't even like the word sin, right? Sin is like, oh, you said it again, sin. uh, you know, it's the new S word, really, <coughs> in our culture. And, and we don't like, we don't like it and, and, and <coughs> excuse me. What has happened is that we have followed feelings and we have allowed our feelings to say what sin is and what sin isn't. The way I feel about something dictates whether it is right or wrong. The way you feel about something is right or wrong. The way our culture feels about something determines if that thing, if that issue, if that personal whatever going on is right or wrong. And there's got, there's got to be a better way of dictating what is right, of what is wrong, of what sin is besides your emotion and my emotions about a certain thing. And so this is, this is where we rely heavily on the Word of God. Not about a person's uh, uh, feelings about something, no matter what kind of stage or status they have, not what is popular, but as followers of Christ, there's got to be something that we can rely on. That is true, and that is the word of God. This is why the Bible here at Foundation Church, and man, if you're visiting, if you're at a part of another church, that's awesome. But your church has to be Bible based, not opinion based, not how the preacher interprets the scriptures, but what do the scriptures say? And the Bible says this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 through 17. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful. This is what it's used for to teach us what is true. That's huge. This is truth. What you find in the scriptures is truth and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So so here's what I always say out of the scripture, the Bible always trumps my feelings. The Bible always trumps how I feel about a certain subject, a certain topic, a certain sin. The Bible always has the trump card. If you're playing spades, it's the ace of spades, right? It is here, in my opinion, follows or should follow what the Word of God says. Remember, we're starting to minimize what is really becoming dangerous for us as followers of Christ. And so, with that being said, what does the Bible say? about sin. What, what's sin? What isn't sin? Because everything, all the lines are blurred, right? All the li- there There is no right or wrong in the culture we live in, but what does the Word of God say is right or wrong? And, and hear me, we don't have enough time to read everything that is possibly a sin, but Paul gave like three different paragraphs, three different sections of Scripture where he said, man, Avoid these, avoid these. These are sins, these are sins, these are sins. And so uh, here's what the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter three, verse one through five. It says this, but understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents. The parents all want me to read that again. Disobedient (laughs) to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, not even concerned about trying to pursue holiness, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, and having the appearance, oh, this is so good, of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. It says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 through 10. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? And he says this phrase real quick. He says, don't fool yourselves. Oh, if we can get that before we read anything else. This is huge. Paul... Paul knew what was coming. He was in the Roman culture that kept trying to just do exactly what our culture is doing and blurring the lines. Don't, don't fool yourselves. Corinth, don't fool yourselves. I know it's a bustling city and it's up and coming. It's a place to be. But all you churches in Corinth, don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols— or commit adultery, or are male prostitutes, or practice homosexuality, or are thieves, or greedy people, there's greedy people again, or drunkards, or are abusive, or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Galatians chapter five, verses 19 through 21, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. And here's what I want to tell you because there's so much pushback on these scriptures. We cannot be cafeteria Christians. We can't take and pick out of the scriptures what we like because that looks good. Oh, I would eat jello and pudding the whole time if I went to first cafeteria just because that looks good, right? Give me some more pie. Give me some more pie. No, no, no. We can't take and pick what looks good, but we've got to understand the word of God and take the word of God as the word of God because here's what you can know and here's what I can know. I don't dictate what sin is. Your job is not to dictate what sin is. This message is not to point to one sin and say, oh, you can't do that, but forget about self-control and greed because we're more comfortable with that than we are this sin. No, 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 no. That isn't this message. But it is a message to call it what it is because until we call it what it is, until we say sin is sin, we can never really truly Deal with it. And so this isn't what I've said, this isn't what you've said, but this is what the Word of God, this is what God says sin is. These things, and, there, and there's more, but, but this isn't a whole message talking about this is sin, this is sin, this is sin. But, but hear me, if you're in the boat, if you're in the boat, you're like, man, I'm, I'm actively engaged in some and one and all and a lot of them. Hear, hear me, this is the good news I have for you today is that all of us were in the same boat at some point. All of us were at that same place at some point in our life. The Bible says this in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of Of God. All of us messed up. All of us have fallen short. All of us screwed up. All of us, let's call it what it is, had sin that we needed to deal with, that we needed the Lord to deal with. But understand, and it's our first point, grace is extended when sin is confessed. Grace is extended when sin is confessed. Grace is extended not when sin is concealed, not when it is hidden, but when it is confess. When I say the word sin, yeah, there's a real heaviness to it. We don't like it because it makes us feel bad, right? It makes us feel like, oh, I hate that word. But you and I aren't going to get any better. We're not going to get healthy by pretending we're not sick. We, we We don't get healthy by pretending we're not sick. When you go to the doctor's office, especially this fall or this winter when there's flu and everything else going around, when you go into the doctor's office, there's two types of people that go into doctor's offices. There is the person that doesn't share anything when they come in. So what's bothering you, sir? Nothing. Well, why are you here? I don't feel good. Well, what don't, doesn't feel good? Nothing. You know, and the wife's there and like, Herb, tell him what you feel. Um, and she's like, he's had diarrhea for five days. He's had, you know, and he's, she's just spouting everything off about poor Herb. And he's just sitting there like, shut up woman, shut up woman, shut up woman. Right? got the person that doesn't say anything because they don't want to reveal any sort of weakness, they conceal it, or you've got the oversharer. When I go into the doctor's office, it's like, what's wrong? Well, let me tell you about the last two years. It may be this, it may be this, it may be this. I've been on WebMD, it may be this, it may be this. All doctors ha- hate WebMD, right? Um, th- th- I- I- I'm in there, and here's why I overshare. Because when I go to, if I'm not feeling good, if something is wrong, if I'm not healthy, I want to get well as quick as possible. In fact, two years ago, I had to get a steroid shot my allergies were going crazy. They're like, sir, if you'll come in, uh, if you'll just stay here, we're going to bring a nurse in. She's going to give you a shot in the butt, make you feel better. And I was like, okay, nurse walks in, dude, I just dropped trowel. I mean, I'm just like, whop. And she's like, sir, I don't need to see your whole butt. You can pull them up. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. Right, right, right there. Here's a card of foundations church. You know, you just saw the backstage pass right there. Um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> here, here it is, you know. Um, you know, it's one of the doctors that goes here's office. I was like, man, I totally just showed everybody my butt. Um, here's the deal: you get better when you confess that something's wrong. You do, and I'm convinced that the reason Jesus was called the Great Physician wasn't just because he healed people's physical lives, but he made broken and sick souls well. And you and I, until we can come to this place where we say, man, I've sinned, if we refuse to say we've sinned in that same moment, we are refusing grace that is offered. Because if sin isn't real, grace isn't necessary. That that, that just huge right there. If sin isn't real, if it's not real, well, then, you know, it's this. And if we keep explaining, if sin isn't real, then grace isn't necessary. And we might as well just keep grace in a song because that's all the the only place it really belongs or if we're going to name our kids after it. It's just a pretty word that has no power. But when you come to the place and you say, man, I've sinned. Not, Not, I've screwed up. Not, I've sinned. There's sin in my life. That's the moment grace is extended. 1 John verse chapter 1 verses 8 through 10 says this, if we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, Then he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Or as the NIV in the King James Version says, from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. We got to call it what it is. Man, let's, let's deal with it. Sin is... Sin, but, but here's the other thing I want us to understand about grace and forgiveness is this, and this is where a, a lot of us, and I got to tell you, I know this is an uncomfortable message. And what's sad to me is we, the church, have let it become an uncomfortable message, right? We got to know the truth because until my the Bible says this, and I've got it on post it in Luke chapter 16 verse 10 says, your job is to be is to be is to not be popular, but to tell the truth. Jesus is saying that to his disciples. And I understand my job is not to preach what is popular, but is to always preach what is truth. And here's what we have to understand about grace and forgiveness. It's this, it's go and change, not go and do more of the same. It's go and change not go and do more of the same. First John chapter three, verse six, anyone who continues to live in him, Jesus, will not sin, but anyone who keeps on sinning doesn't know him or understand who he is. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Question is, has the old passed away? right? I I have my junior high letter jacket, and I don't know why. I really don't. Um, But I still have my junior high letter jacket. And how weird would it be if really I did this, if I wore my junior high letter jacket all the time every winter? Like, and you're like, what are you you wearing, my junior high letter jacket? It still fits. Isn't that impressive? You know, like... No, that's weird, Justin. Well, you know, it's got my letter from Hefner Junior High in Oklahoma City. It's got my football, my basketball, and I quit track too early to get a track one, you know, but, but it, 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 you know, it would be weird. You're like, no, that's creepy. That's just creepy and weird. That's who, like you used to be like over 20 years ago, you old man. You know, that's just, that's weird, Right. And the question is this, are you putting on your spiritual junior high letter jacket and wearing it around all the time? Because what I understand is for a lot of us, man, we just keep... doing the same thing we did before we ever met Jesus. And if that's true, the old hasn't really passed away. And today I'm not talking about struggling with sin. Man, you're going to struggle with sin. There's going to be weaknesses and issues that Paul talked about, the thorn in his flesh, that was a struggle. But there's a difference between struggling with sin and settling in it. There's a big difference between struggling with sin and settling there. And we can't take that verse out of context that says, this is just my thorn in the flesh. No, this is just the way you have settled to become, to do more of the same instead of deciding to change. Man, th- there's got to be a time where we go and change. Because changing equals growing. And growing equals changing. You and I are not called to think like the culture around us, but to live a life that is counter cultural if you really read your bible it's not about going along with the belief system of the world but about surrendering to the belief system of jesus christ and here's what the bible says in john chapter 8 verses 10 through 11 you know the story the woman caught in the act of adultery And everybody's ready, I mean, ready to come down on it, right? Just come down on this lady who's been caught in the act of adultery. They've got their stones, they're getting ready to stone her. And Jesus says this to all the religious people, you without sin cast the first stone. And what do they do? They drop the rocks and they walk away and Jesus is drawing on the ground. And he says this to the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I, but listen to this point because this is where we miss it. Go and sin no more. Jesus didn't say, Hey, go and do the same because that really worked out well for you this last time, right? Like, let's see if we can just relive this moment and I can come to your rescue again. No, that's not what he said. He didn't say, Hey, hey, yeah, 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 um, yeah, I know you almost got killed, but what an awesome testimony if this happens again. You know, let's really build your story for a, a video on Sunday morning that we can show a foundation church, right? No, 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 no. That's not what he said. He says, go and sin no more. Don't, don't, this, this, it wasn't a hall pass. His grace wasn't a hall pass, right? And, and the question is this, are you more looking for permission than redemption, Are you more looking for permission to just stay the same and engage in the same things you've always done but let's call it something else other than sin when that's what the Bible clearly calls it? Are you looking for permission? And man, I can preach this message for a really long time. I'm trying to go fast. You, In 2 Timothy, Paul warned Timothy. He says, there's coming a time where people will leave sound teaching and sound doctrine to find places and teachers that will tell people what they want to hear. We are in those days. We are in those moments that we are way more concerned about permission and finding permission and finding a whole pass of grace and, and, and just settling in our sin instead of growing, and changing and going and sinning no more and becoming something new and letting the old pass away and the new become us and we're this new creation in Christ. Man, step into the redemption that Jesus Christ has for you that you are transformed and man, you are changed by not religion, not by rules, but by the power of Jesus Christ who changes everything and everyone and everywhere he went. Go, and sin no more. Don't, don't just stay the same. This isn't your hall pass to stay in that lifestyle, to stay in that addiction. Don't just say, this is who I am. You're settling for so much less than what God has for you. Man, step into what He has. When I was in third grade, we went to Whitewater. And Whitewater is the really cool big splash in Oklahoma City. Um, and, uh, excuse me. When we went, my mom said, Justin, don't go to the, I know you're a great swimmer and you could be the next Michael Phelps if we really push you, um, but don't go to the deep end of the weight pool. So where did I go? Deep end of the weight pool, right? I'm there was one of my buddies and all the handles on the side are taken. You guys know what I'm talking about. Like you go up, you go, like, whoa, this is really fun. Um, well, there was no place to hold on to, so me and my buddy are just kind of going up and down like a dinghy, like bing, bing. You know, we're just kind of like, whew, this is fun. And, and here it is. I'm a fairly decent swimmer in third grade, but one wave, I'm like talking to my buddy. And I'm like, eh, this is so fun. And a wave nails me, like right in the face. I'm starting to choke on water. Well, the problem is, when I'm choking on water, it's really hard for me to keep swimming or much less tread water. And so I'm, I'm like, I'm going down. Like, this is bad. I'm, I'm going down. And a lifeguard on the other side, who's trying to be David Hasselhoff, um, is over there and he blows his whistle. He jumps in, you know, everybody's, all the girls like, um, and this the, the guy, not the hot girl on the side that's the, the, the lifeguard, I'm like, no, I want that one. You know, um, he comes, he grabs me, he puts my face into his Brillo pad of a chest hair. I'm like, ew, you know. Um, but, but here's the deal. I didn't fight him off. I didn't be like, I wasn't like, hey, time out. Can, can she come get me instead? I wasn't like, people are watching. People can see you. I don't, I'm embarrassed. You know why? Because I needed to be rescued. I was in trouble. And I needed someone who was more capable of swimming to come in and get me out of the situation I was in. And when we're talking about this whole thing, can I tell you, you're not made to fix you. You never were. And, And when we come to the altar, there was this thing called the Day of Atonement. It's found in Leviticus chapter 16 in the Old Testament. And there was this moment At the day of atonement, when they would bring two goats in, first goat, they killed, they sprinkled the blood um, for the atonement of sin, but the other one was called the scapegoat. Many of you, you've heard of a scapegoat. We know scapegoat is defined as this, one that bears the blame for others, but in biblical terms, it means this, a goat upon whose head are symbolically placed the sins of people after which he is sent into the wilderness in the biblical ceremony. So the priest would come in, they would confess all the sins of Israel, and then they would lead the scapegoat out into the wilderness. And literally, symbolically, he took the sins away from the, from the nation of Israel. Can I tell you, that's exactly what Jesus wants to do. In fact, it says this, excuse me, in 2 Corinthians 5, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. If you're here in this place this morning, you say, man, I just need, I need, I need rescuing because I don't know how to get out of this. Hear me. We serve a sin bearing, always faithful, always forgiving, grace filled, mercy extending, abounding and steadfast love God. That's the God we serve. It says this in Titus chapter two, verse 11, for the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people, first John one nine but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. First Peter chapter two verse twenty four says he himself. Bore our sins, the scapegoat in His body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Ephesians one seven. He is so rich in kindness and grace that He purchased our freedom with the blood of His Son and forgave our sins. Ephesians chapter two verse eight through nine. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing; it's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Isaiah one 18. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Romans 8.1 Therefore there is now no condemnation, no guilty verdict, no punishment for those who are in Christ Jesus, who believe in him as personal Lord and Savior. Romans 10.9 If you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, dead, you will be saved. Psalms 86 verse 5, for you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. John 3, 16 through 17, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. We serve a sin-bearing, always faithful all-forgiving, grace-filled, mercy-extending, abounding in steadfast love, God. And this morning, he wants to rescue you right where you are. He wants to rescue you, right? And we can talk about what sin is, but can I tell you, his grace is even bigger. His grace abounds even more, and his plan for you is so much better, but you got to grab hold of it. you got to come to a place where you call it what it is. So he can be what you've always wanted him to be. Your savior, your rescuer, the God that forgives us of all our unrighteousness because we confessed our sins in the first place. Let's bow our heads. God, we come before you today. Lord, sometimes there's messages that aren't easy to hear, but it's exactly what we need to hear. And Lord, I I truly believe there's some of us, we've just been trying to justify our actions instead of allowing you to change our actions. We've been more about pursuing justification than pursuing your holiness and your righteousness. And so, God, I pray that this isn't a message to point fingers. But this is a message to just say, God, man, It's not about what culture says is sin. It's about what your word of God says is sin. God, some of us, there's a lifestyle that needs to be changed. Some of us, there's greed that needs to be changed. Slander, hate, lust. Some of us are so bound by lust we can't hardly make it throughout a day without being on the wrong side. Lord, we just want to dismiss it, but God, I I pray this morning that we wouldn't dismiss it, that we wouldn't call it what it isn't, but we would deal with it like and what it is. It's sin. But Lord, the great news is grace is extended when sin is confessed. And So Lord, I pray that in this place, you change lives. Man, that you change hearts. And Lord, we would become the new creation that the old in just a second would pass away. And new things would spring up in our life with heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. If you're here, that's you. Man, you got sin in your life. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Please, man, let's let's honor the sacredness of this moment. But you say, "Just, I'm here. I've sinned, and I need to ask for forgiveness today. I've sinned, and I need to make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of my life. It's not about me concealing my sin any longer. It's about me confessing it. Man, let this be your moment of confession. Let this be your moment of breakthrough. Don't stay the same. Don't justify it. Don't say, I'll get it right when I come back home. Man, come to the altar this morning morning right now. Man, man come to him and let grace be extended. If that's you, when I count to three, I just want you to raise your hand. We're going to lead you in a prayer. One, two, three. If you say, Justin, that's me. I, I, I just need prayer. There's sin in my life. I, I need to get things right. Yeah, there's one, there's two. Is there anyone else who joined? These two hands are lifted. Before we go any further, yeah, I see you in the back. Is there anyone else you join these three hands or yeah, I see you, I see you. Five hands. Is there anyone else? You join these five hands or so that are that have been raised. You say, Justin, that's me today. I, I see your hand. I see your hand. Is there anyone else you join these seven hands that are lifted? Before we go any further in service, just say, man, man, can we just be real? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And maybe you're there. Maybe you're in that club right now. And you say, man, I just need to join these seven hands that are lifted before we go any further in service. You just say, man, this this is my confession moment. This is my altering moment. We come to the altar to be altered, to be changed. Before we go any further, is there anyone else? You join these seven hands that have been lifted you raise your hand, if you please repeat this prayer after me and mean it from your heart. Jesus, I come before you today. I confess that I've sinned and that I need your forgiveness. God, I turn away from the life that I was living to grab hold of the life you have for me. I pray right now that I would become that new creation and that I would no longer settle in sin, but I would get free from it, Jesus. I confess you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen and amen. Can we give these seven individuals that raise their hands a round of applause? Yeah. Hey, if you raise your hands, we want to extend your next step. We all.